can I teach this versus should I teach this? And if I am still the one in charge, how well are we doing it? So over time, we were doing a lot of things, but it starts to get thin. You're listening to The Homeschool Journal, a show from the Memoria Press Podcast Network, where we bring you encouragement through real-life stories, homeschooling tips, and practical application to help you on your homeschool journey. Here's your host, Carrie McGraw. Welcome, friend, to the Homeschool Journal podcast, where we discuss and delve into all things homeschooling, connecting you with experienced homeschool parents that will share wisdom and ideas to help you along your homeschool journey. Today, we're going to talk about what is homeschooling anyway, and I have here with us today a very special guest, a veteran homeschooler from across the range of all the different things that homeschoolers can do, Jessica Phillips is here with us today. Jessica is a Tennessee native who lives with her husband and four children ages 8 to 16. She's a 10-year homeschooling veteran and has particularly enjoyed getting her classical education alongside her children for the last eight years through Memoria Press. In 2015, she founded the Sodalitas Homeschool Conference that's still going strong today, meant to support homeschool parents through Memoria Press. And in 2016, she co-founded and still co-directs Highlands Latin School Nashville, a cottage school. So again, today we're going to ask the question, what is homeschooling anyway? And if you're new to homeschooling or you're a veteran who just needs a new level of energy here in your homeschooling journey, spend some time with us as we define our homeschooling. Many people find themselves thrust into this new world and may feel a little lost. So let's clarify this new world that you've entered. Let's put some legs to it. And when someone asks you, so what do you do for a living? You can answer with firm gusto. I am a homeschooler. So to start us off today, I'm going to give a really, really simple pared down definition to answer our question of what is homeschooling anyway. So Jessica, hang in here with me. By the way, I'm just really glad you're here with us. Thank you so much. Glad to be here. So homeschooling, if we just kind of go by a simple definition, is where you as the parent, or I, yes, we both did this, take direct responsibility for the education of our children. The The home becomes the center of our children's education. But a homeschool can come in all different packages, so to speak, from completely parent-directed, which both you and I have that experience, uh, to completely delegated and, and somewhere in between. And I think that you can really speak very well to this, Jessica, because I know you've done it all. I've done you know, quite a bit of it as far as this, this sliding scale, I think that you can talk to of um, of directed education, but you also come from this perspective as a cottage school co-director. So Jessica, I'm going to turn it over to you to expand on this, what is homeschooling? Great. Well, I think most fundamentally, homeschooling can be defined as parent-directed education. So of course, within this, there is a huge sighting scale of delegation that can be available. So um, if you will visualize a continuum and over on one end, the parent retains complete authority. This would be a solo homeschool parent piecing together all their materials, making all their own plans. While on the other end of the continuum, the authority is completely delegated out by the parent to a partner. For example, 
This would be like a homeschool student that takes all their classes outside the home. So a lot of high schoolers end up there. Most homeschool families partner with something or someone, be that a curriculum or curricula or outside support, maybe a co-op, a tutorial, online classes, or some interesting combination. So along that continuum, from one end being complete authority, and then the other end being completely delegated authority, with each step along the way comes a loss of being the sole director of the homeschool. But then in return comes help, accountability, extra sets of eyes on your child as a student, each of which can be a tremendous blessing. So a really great analogy that I love is that homeschooling, it, in a homeschool, the parent is driving the school bus. So the parent takes the wheel of responsibility and direction. Right. So I love this analogy, both of the bus and of this sliding scale of of delegation, because I I do want anyone out there listening to know that flexibility is really key in your homeschool and giving yourself that flexibility and also building it into your homeschool. Because Jessica, I know that you and I have both done the solo, right? Yes. <laughs> yes. I think we both spent, how many years did you spend going solo? I think you told me. I think it was six. Okay. All right. And so out of your, you know, 10 years of homeschooling, there is, you know, 60% totally solo. And, and I did the same thing until I really got comfortable and, and decided that, hey, there's some of this that I can delegate away. And in some of my journey, I um, had, did my own co-op. Uh, for some of it, I created my own co-op. Um, but in other ways, you know, I used to cottage school as well. And and so while you and I have both done the really that long sliding level of delegation, I don't, you know, I got all the way to, I just wanted, I, I gave it all away. You know, my kids, um, you know, they kind of entered Highlands Latin School full time, each of them at kind of a different age. So at some point in time, I slid all the way over on that other side of the continuum that you talk about and and really completely uh, delegated uh, school o- away outside of outside of the home. So I want our listeners to understand that it can be different as you move forward year by year. Um, it can be different as you assess and meet the needs of each of your children at the different stages that they exist in their education. You know, I think you and I had a conversation previously, Jessica, where I, I admitted I never want to teach calculus. And I really did not want to teach beyond second form Latin. That was just not my thing. I think I could now, but I think that then it was not my thing. Um, but you know, others out there, they are, can't wait to sink their teeth into those kinds of things. So, you know, I think that people will find, you know, their fit um, through this continuum. How, how about your continuum? How did that work for you? Pretty much the same, solo and then gradually added help as uh, students got older. And um, just asking that question, can I teach this versus should I teach this? And if I am still the one in charge, how well are we doing it? So over time, we were doing a lot of things, but it starts to get thin. And that's where you start to tap outside help. And you can also then be a resource for others as well. Like you said, you started, you needed a resource. So you started a resource. That's right. And so it, it definitely changes as you go. And so um, you do take a long-term vision, but you each year kind of unfolds in its own way and, and you flex and you adjust. So at any point in time, though, a parent choosing to homeschool has to make a curriculum decision. 
uh, whether they retain complete teaching authority or they're delegating some of their homeschool experience. So let's touch on what a parent directed, as you've already used that term, and curriculum centric approach is. And and I want to touch on this because this is the Memoria Press approach uh, to classical education. So you want to touch on that a little bit? Sure. So just in the phrase curriculum centric, what we mean by that is it revolves around a curriculum. So what is a curriculum? Well, a curriculum is just simply a course of study. So when you think of course, think of like path. And it puts skin on an educational philosophy. Now, a philosophy of education is not going to tell you what to do on a random Thursday morning in October, but a curriculum can. In fact, that's exactly what a curriculum does. It should provide three important things. It should provide details as well as a trajectory and a proportionality. So let's talk about those three things. So first, details. Now, this is what comes to mind when everybody think about everyone thinks about curriculum and it's the day-to-day subject by subject plan to attack the work in front of you how many pages to do how long your essay needs to be etc but there's two other important components that that need to be a part of a cohesive curriculum one is trajectory now a trajectory points you in the direction that you want to travel and keeps you oriented towards your vision along the way. So it's going to provide a continuity. It it answers the question, what do you need to do now so that you will be ready for something else that you want to do later? So here's just a really simple example. A trajectory in classics might look like this. The study of Greek myths precedes famous men of Greece in the Trojan War, which then precede the Iliad and the Odyssey, which then precede Greek tragedies, which finally precedes maybe Plato in metaphysics. So that's a really tall tower. And if you start with Plato, it's very intimidating, but you can build it if you go slowly and just do one level at a time. So this year, my youngest son is studying Greek myths. He's in third grade. So my oldest son is in 11th grade and he just studied Plato's apology. So it's a really long journey, but you can get there, but you have to have a solid trajectory to help you keep your course along the way. And how fun, Jessica, that you have the bookends. You have the near bookends. I do. Have, <laughs> it does. It gives you such, and those, anyone who's done this for a while can really start to testify when you see more of the top bookend. And that doesn't mean the end of their education. It just no. means the end of while they're in the education in your home, right. hopefully they learn for the rest of their lives, of course, but it really gives you vision for the early years and helps you see the reason. And so the the third thing, so after details and trajectory, this is super important, this idea of proportionality. So if you think about drawing, you want to get a face, you want to get the proportions right. You want the eyes to be the right size, the nose, the ears, etc. So proportionality is a view from above that takes into consideration all the things you're studying and keeps each study in its measured place in relation to what's being asked of you in other studies. So you can't do everything in a standard education and at Latin and classical studies and Christian studies on top without suffocating. It's just way too much. So you need adjustment to take those all into consideration and a curriculum should be the tool that balances that. So it should ensure that quality is not overrun by quantity, which is easy to happen. Yes, it, it really is. And, um, you know, Memory Press provides a full curriculum pre-planned 
and directed. You know, it does it does all three of these hallmarks very well that you have mentioned, the details, the trajectory, and the proportionality. Um, particularly, though, I find that a, a lot of our homeschoolers get themselves locked into uh, the details. And, and I would love to go back to that comment I made earlier um, on flexibility. You know, know that you have the flexibility to, to manage those details on your own. Now, a lot of new homeschoolers, and that's kind of where we're coming from in this podcast is, you know, um, what is homeschooling, defining that for them. Um, you know, they want to do it all, every moment by the book. And, and I would encourage them, it's okay to pull in that flexibility. Where we, wherein we talked about it as far as the sliding, uh, you know, rope of, of, of delegation, um, there's also flexibility within your own uh, curriculum. Um, and so this pre-planned, directed, ready for parents to open up and go is really how Memorial Press has tried to package everything. But I want to take it a little bit further. And, and unfortunately, in a podcast, we, we probably need a whole separate podcast on this question I'm about to ask you. And, and yes, I'm sure we'll do one. Um, but so my, my next question is, where is classical homeschooling going? You know, you spoke, the, the, the last point was on trajectory. So uh, to back to your bus analogy, um, where are classical homeschoolers driving their bus, Jessica? Sure. And this is, this is a, a stratospheric level kind of question. <laughs> yes. But Memoria Press defines classical education as the cultivation of wisdom and virtue through the study of the liberal arts and the great books. And that's very impressive that that's all in one sentence. Um, <laughs> but a great way to think of this, really think about education. What is education? Education is generally marked by the abiding presence of a few things. So here's some examples, maybe the study of language, reading, writing, literature, etc., And then maybe also the study of number, you know, arithmetic, mathematics, etc., upper level science. Everyone studies language and number, right? It's in every single school everywhere. Mm -hmm. But a classical Christian education is going to include a few extra ingredients that are often absent from a standard education. Now, hear me say this. You can have an excellent education that's not a classical education. I'm not using classical here as a synonym for good. Rather, a classical education is specifically marked by the abiding presence of two specific things. And those things to whatever measure is appropriate for your family. So the first thing I would say is the abiding presence of a classical language, either Latin or Greek, or maybe even both. There's, there's some that do both. It's amazing, but, but definitely the presence of a classical language. Uh, the second thing is the abiding presence of the classical world and ideas and their transmission to us via the Christian West. So this is, if you've heard the talk, Athens, Rome, Jerusalem. We're talking about Western civilization when we talk about that. And it's important to note that there is no required duration or quantity on these studies that checks you. You click over into the box of, of being classified as classical. That's not what we're talking about. Um, it, it is the presence of these items. They abide in your homeschool, whether they're way off in your future, they're part of your reality, or maybe maybe you've studied Latin for six years and you've moved on to Spanish the present still abides. And so that's why we say that it, when it contains these, it contains them to whatever measure, because there's many students studying these and it's going to look different in every family. It is, but 
where you started um, in, in defining classical education and, and where it's going, the cultivation of wisdom and virtue, those are things that I I really would like to be hallmark words for any of Indeed. our classical homeschoolers. And, you know, at the beginning, I, I said to our, our listeners, you know, when they are asked, you know, what do you do for a living? That's such a common, you know, question and conversation. <laughs> and, and, and I, I've been around enough to go, well, I just, I homeschool. No, 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 <laughs> no. I want, you know, our, our listeners to say, I'm a homeschooler, you know, and, and with courage and confidence and, oh, really you do that? Yes. I cultivate wisdom and virtue. And I would love for that to be the Amen. second. <laughs> Thank you. I would love for that to be the second sentence because we have also a responsibility to to represent to others you know what we're doing to define what we're doing uh, for others as well and um and, and I hope that we have more opportunities to do that as homeschoolers not only to grow in understanding the definition of homeschooling ourselves you know, to grow in the understanding of, of what classical homeschooling is and and I know I totally acknowledge that homeschoolers can choose many different paths the the options out there are plentiful almost overwhelming Indeed. but you know the 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 sheer weight of the words cultivating wisdom and virtue that to me, that's what really drew me into, into classical education. Everyone agrees the, the world could use a little more wisdom and a little more virtue. Yes. And I think that we see that um, each and every day. So let's, let's spend a little bit of time leaving our listeners with some encouraging thoughts, Jessica, and you are, uh, you know, jump in here and, and help me by all means. Um, Sure. So those that are out there exploring the option to homeschool, um, we, we want to remind them, and I know you and I have talked about this before, that they are their child's primary educator. Now, I'm going to take a minute and we're going to define this one. What does that mean to be your child's primary educator? Now, it doesn't mean that they're their teacher, right? It doesn't mean they have to be the teacher all the time, right? Mm-hmm. Right. I would say it, it's just this idea of from what to eat and how to tie your shoes and how best to spend your time and your money, etc. There is there's a mantle of leadership that's on parents over their children. And it is a it's a, it's a responsibility, but it's a delight. And so everyone is always educating their children. The academic portion, though, um, can be retained or can be delegated. And so I think that's a, when, when you decide to homeschool, you're taking something that's, that's a, usually an outside sphere. Uh, it'd be a partnership, but you're bringing that sphere into your home. And so a great example of this would be, uh, the difference in being employed and being self-employed. Um, it, it's very, it's, you know, it just, it's a different way of doing your adult life. You can be employed. There's benefits. You can be self-employed. There's benefits. There's pros and cons to each. Neither is a panacea, but they're different. And when you choose to be self-employed, you're stepping on a different path. So that's kind of like pulling education into the home boat and taking uh, authority over that. 
I love how you are full of analogies. I just now <laughs> we, we were driving a bus, but now we're in the boat. And this this now is, we're in the boat. Got to change it. Got to mix is, it up. Lots this of all is really of transportation. Now we're all going somewhere, right? <laughs> and so I'm going to use that boat analogy because when I say that a parent is the primary educator, just like just like you said, I mean you're you're steering that boat, and if that boat steers into your you there's coursework down the road or that you don't that you just don't feel qualified to cover that's okay the point is you are making that decision for your family for your child and even if you don't choose to homeschool let's just you know those out there that could be listening and they're sitting on the fence they just don't know whether they want to homeschool or not um right i would tell them yes go but it's okay it's okay to to be wandering um but even those who don't choose to homeschool um i would love for them to know you are still your child's primary educator. And I would encourage them to know what's in front of your child. Be an investigator. You know, because so often, you know, if we completely delegate education, which of course is very common, um, I'd love for parents to go to those open houses, open the books, you know, that, that are going to be set in front of your child for the year. Know what is in them, whether you're choosing homeschooling or not. Know what is in the book that's going to be placed into your child's heart and make sure that that matches with your family vision. Um, guard your child's heart and your home. Um, whether you are the actual teacher or not, you are still, again, that primary educator. So finally, Jessica. Sure, and yeah, go ahead. I, I was just, I was just going to say like, your children going through education is an invitation to you to step up your own education. And, and truly, that doesn't mean like going back and getting a PhD. I'm talking about reading uh, The Wind in the Willows or reading Farmer Boy. It's such an easy on-ramp. And so I loved what you said about knowing what is there. And it, it's great to flip open an algebra book and, and not recognize it. But then after about five minutes, maybe you do. And so it's it's really beautiful for parents to have this second pass or maybe second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth. It depends on how many passes you're getting, how many children you have. It really is an invitation to circle back around and revisit this stuff, but with the eyes of an adult. And let me tell you, the eyes of an adult can see the spider web of connections that a child can never see. They're lacking experience. That's right. So with those adult eyes, you get a completely different experience. And it often you're, you'll be weeping and your child, what, what's going on? That's like, right. I'm, I'm finishing Charlotte's web. You can't read Charlotte's web without crying. If you're an adult, the kids might not cry, but the adults always cry. Right. Because we see it with such that we know more about friendship. That's right. We're building their frame of reference where we already have one. And, and yes. so, so often those of us who choose to classically homeschool have not been classically trained ourselves. Now I that's, know that's, that's definitely par, that's par for the course. Yes, that's, I know. That's, that's, it would be the exception. <laughs> In today's world, you're right. And I know that you and I both came uh, from this background and yet we chose to define our homeschools as a classical homeschool, which of course you took us, you know, beautifully through um, understanding. But I think that that would be, you know, one of my final encouragements is that to choose to homeschool um, is a big, is a big journey. To choose to homeschool classically is a beautiful journey. And we go back to those words of wisdom and virtue and what you just said, which is we're educating ourselves along the way. Mm -hmm. Right. 
So when when our parents are asked out there, you know, again, coming back to what do you do? What do you do? Jessica, we want them to say, right? Right. Well, we're going to say I'm a homeschooler, but then we're also going to say I cultivate wisdom and virtue. What do you do? There we go. (laughs) There we go. That's exactly what we want. It's a tall order, but that's okay. It's okay to it's okay to it's okay to do it imperfectly and humbly and with wonder. It is. And and that's again about flexibility. That's again about, you know, making that curriculum choice um, and understanding that there are going to be changes along the way, adjustments that you need to make, but knowing the trajectory that you are on in your homeschool uh, will get you there. So Jessica, thank you so much for spending this time with us today. This has been a great help and I hope that our listeners um, feel the same. God bless you, Jessica. Thank you, you as well. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Homeschool Journal. If you like the show, consider subscribing on Spotify, YouTube, Apple Music, or wherever you get your podcasts. A huge thank you to the Memoria Press Podcast Network for featuring our show. If you'd like more information, you can go to memoriapress.com. I'm Carrie McGraw. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time. You've been listening to the Memoria Press Podcast Network, providing a classical Christian perspective on the world of education. To learn more about Memoria Press, visit memoriapress.com. To connect with us, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.